The following talk was given by Bear Gokon Bonnebacher at Zen Mountain Monastery. Gokon is a senior monastic and dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. He serves as director of operations at Zen Mountain Monastery and also helps run the National Buddhist Prison Sangha. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. From the Eight Awarenesses of the Bodhisattva, the Seventh, Cultivating Wisdom. Wisdom is aroused by hearing, reflecting, practicing, and realizing. The Buddha says, when you have wisdom, you are without greed. Always reflect on yourselves. Do not lose this wisdom. In this way, you can thus attain liberation in my Dharma. One who does not is neither a follower of the way, nor a white-robed one, nor is there any other name for them. True wisdom is a stout boat which crosses the sea of old age, sickness, and death. It is also a great bright torch in pitch black ignorance, a good medicine for all sick people, a sharp axe which fells the tree of delusion. Therefore, by means of this wisdom which is heard, reflected on, and practiced, you will increase your merit. When one has the illumination of wisdom, even though one's eyes are merely physical eyes, one is a clear-seeing person. This is what is meant by wisdom. So I've been working with these eight awarenesses of the Bodhisattva, which is a Mahayana teaching. Apparently in the Nirvana Sutra, I have not actually been able to find it in the original sutra. But Dogen commented briefly on this teaching. And I've been using a translation and um, some teaching from Maizumi Roshi. So it is Dogen who says this first line, wisdom is aroused by hearing, reflecting, practicing, realizing. I was a little surprised, actually, when I um, came back to this teaching and saw that first line in this Zen teaching. It might seem that that's not the order that we take. We just come to our cushion and sit down, practice, whether we've heard the teachings and reflected on them or not. but really important that we hear the teachings and to appreciate how much we do hear the teachings. Really important to study and reflect on the teachings, test them against our own experience. This reflecting, contemplating, again, something I'm not sure early in my Zen practice That was sort of part of my practice, part of what I was meeting. It's something that I appreciate in Shugen Roshi's teachings. I think it's been important in, in his practice, and so he's brought it out for us, given time and energy to study, to reflection, to on the teachings. These are our wisdom practices. So there is 
the wisdom of hearing, of really hearing, listening to the teachings rather than to our idea of the teachings, our interpretation, really hear. And the wisdom of reflection, right? is, is this true, this teaching? How do I see this in my own experience? The teachings are meant to help us understand our own experience, understand our mind. So to reflect, the Buddha himself said, don't, don't just believe what I say because I'm the Buddha. He said, test it for yourself, verify it for yourself. Verify it in your own experience because that is what these teachings are meant for. Because that is what's transformative. How they are liberating. Ideas have great power, can change us, change how we experience. And there is a deeper, more direct understanding more deeply transformative. And so that's the emphasis in Zen, is our own experience, our own practice and realization. Mizumi Roshi says, to become awakened, to become aware of the true face of life, that is Buddhism. So hearing, reflecting, practicing, realizing, they go together. They're all needed. It reminds me of Dogen's image of practice, of the, the spiral of practice, raising the Bodhi mind, the aspiration for enlightenment, to understand, wanting to understand. And then we practice, bring that aspiration into action. And then through practice, realizing, having our own experience, and then actualizing that, bringing that into our life, living that. And then we do it again. Raise the Bodhi mind, practice, realize, actualize, endlessly. Buddha says, by means of this wisdom which is heard, reflected on, and practiced, you will increase your merit. So there is time for study, for taking in the teachings, for reflecting, for contemplating. And then coming to our cushion, more letting go of that, just doing our own direct practice, but guided by understanding of the teachings trusting that the teachings are in us because we have heard, reflected. And so during session, we say specifically, we are letting go of reflection to give ourselves just to Zazen, to our own direct experience, 
And yet, still we hear the teachings. There's a talk every day. There's face-to-face teaching. Importance of that. So that we're practicing according to the Dharma. So that we're practicing wisdom. We can give ourselves the teachings when we need them. Give yourself what you need. In a talk recently, Shugen Roshi, I think it was just pretty brief, but he said something about right understanding, the importance of right understanding. It's an example of why it's important. And so he said something about how if we, if we think that thoughts are real, then our approach to working with thoughts is to feel like, well, we're supposed to be getting, we need to be getting rid of them in some way, pushing them away. But hearing the teaching, understanding the teaching, that thoughts are empty and permanent, then the practice of seeing and letting go makes sense. And so hearing this teaching about thoughts, well, do I think that thoughts are real? What is the evidence of that in my own experience? So worth looking at that. What are the assumptions that are kind of revealed by the way I do relate with to thoughts? How is it that it's so hard to let them go sometimes? That they're so interesting, chanting sometimes? Why is it then when I, that when I have particular thoughts, there's, there's this reaction in my body? Right? I have a memory of something that happened a long time ago and I get, up, get upset. I think of something pleasurable and that creates a sensation in my body. So to reflect. And so hearing this teaching that thoughts are empty, good. To take that in. And the instruction that goes along with that understanding. Understanding that practice that is based in that wisdom to see thoughts without judgment, without labeling, without adding more thinking, and to let them go. Of holding the teaching, the understanding in us so that we're guided by that. And then going to the cushion and just doing that. Can we see without touching? Can we let go without thinking about it? It's not an idea. So that we see for ourselves. We can see without getting involved. We can let go. How is that? What's happening? How is it that sometimes I can be caught in a thought and sometimes I can let it go? 
and then seeing for ourselves, having that experience for ourselves, that may change our relationship with our thoughts. We may see that it's easier to let go of thoughts, not so bothered, not so involved, not so reactive. And we continue to practice thoughts because they will continue to arise, continue to clarify what is letting go. The Buddha says, when you have wisdom, you are without greed. Always reflect on yourselves. Do not lose this wisdom. This reminded me of that line in the Milgatha that I love. As we desire the natural order of mind to be free from clinging, we must be free from greed. So because of our ignorance, we experience anger and greed the opposites of compassion, generosity. And the teaching, our practice, is about turning this, sense turning this ignorance to wisdom. What is this ignorance, this delusion, confusion? Dogen says to study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. Mizumi Roshi says, in order to examine ourselves, we have to study ourselves. And actually, that is Buddhism, ways to study the self. So what is it to study the self? I feel like I talk a lot about um, just seeing and feeling in Zazen seeing our thoughts, feeling our feelings, being aware, knowing what's happening, experiencing everything that we experience, so that we're getting to know ourselves directly, to know our habits, our reactions, our tendencies, where we go, what we're creating, so that we know what our hindrances are. Of another way of getting to know ourselves. Sleepiness, irritation, fantasy lands, daydreams, dullness, anxiety, doubt. Doubt in what? In the teachings, practice, in ourselves. Hindrances are not faults, just habits. And so there is this self that is revealed to us in our zazen practice. And I was thinking that's sort of, it's important to have a practice, to know what your practice is, to be doing a practice, because Part of what happens then is that our mind is revealed to us, this habitual mind. And so getting to know this self rather than fighting with it, letting go, loosening, rather than 
trying to change, trying to get rid of. And so is, there is this karmic habitual self that we study, get to know. So we're comfortable, familiar with this self. Just by doing zazen, working with our thoughts, developing our awareness so that we know what's happening. Aware, on and off the cushion. And learning that we can let go of thoughts, that we can allow our minds to settle, that we can be less reactive to all the things that happen in us. Allow our minds to settle. So important. I talked last month about concentration, concentrating, calming the mind. Because concentrating, calming the mind in itself is healing, stabilizing. It's like we're coming into ourselves. Allowing ourselves to be more intimate with ourselves as we calm. And calming and concentrating so that we can see, so that we can see more clearly. We can't see when the mind is stirred up, when we're caught up and reacting. So calming and seeing, working together, in a way happening at the same time. So to study the way is to study the self. The teachings say that the self is empty. Sometimes talks about no self. I was studying something recently, saying rather than um, that the Buddha, rather than um, actually saying there is no self, showed that the things that we assume to be a self do not measure up to the criteria of of inherent selfhood. That was interesting. The Buddha said, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not myself. This refrain that comes up in the sutras. And so I think we can also understand studying the self as studying this sense of self. Where do we find the sense of our self and our experience? How is it when I'm attached, holding on to the sense of self, believing in it? When does it feel like this is me, this is mine, This is myself. When am I making an assumption about the nature of the self? And so strong emotions are a good place to look. So when I'm upset, when I'm jealous, when I'm not getting what I want, I think for me it's like, Anytime that, I, that I'm tight, 
that I'm getting tight. There's that. I know. I'm holding on. What am I holding on to? So it might be to try and pay attention during a strong emotion or afterwards to reflect what was happening. What was happening? What was going on? Why, why did that arise so strongly? Where did that come from? So I was thinking about this with just kind of with, with moods. With the kind of just like, sometimes there's just, like I know I'm upset and it's just like, ah, in my, like it's just kind of in my body and mind. And our experience, of course, is true, right? This is happening in my body mind. It is happening. I'm experiencing that. And it sure seems like it's me, this experience. But what is it? The Buddha said, it is not me. It is not mine. It's not myself. The view that we have of ourself. What do you say to yourself about yourself? When you make a mistake, when you do something really well, when you compare yourself to someone else or to everyone in the room or compare yourself to your idea of how you think you should be. And sometimes I can hear that when I'm doing that. Sometimes that may be in words. And sometimes that's not so much in words. It's just the like, uh, you know it. And it feels like the story is true. What is that creating? Why do we react to that? Like it's so real. And I wanted to say, I've I've, um, talked a couple times um, recently about um, feelings and um, reacting to feelings. And um, just in hearing some questions from people, I, I wanted to make it clear that we're, it's not that we are, we are not in control of what we're feeling, of what we feel, right? <laughs> and we're not trying to be. But when things arise in us, when we do have experiences, when we do have a, 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 a strong emotion, there is some choice, some, we can, we can work with that. We don't have to react in the way that we habitually react. That's where there's, there's, can be change. Practice. Probably from not believing them so much. And so, And to look at these emotional body-mind reactions that we have. What, what is the assumption about ourself that they're revealing?
Another way to look at this is through the understanding of, of that everything is conditioned, a result of causes and conditions, another way of understanding emptiness. And so I've been using this with myself. So, so when that uh, feeling arises in you, or has been in me, just to say, but this is a result of causes and conditions. They are complicated and subtle, and we will probably, I will probably never understand them all. All the different factors that lead to this experience. I can know that the, one of the strongest ones is habit, is how we reacted last time this happened, and the time before that, and the time before that. What I've assumed about it. The way I've been saying this to myself is this is a made thing. Whatever is happening, this is a made thing. It's created. And because it's made, it can be unmade or not made. It's not permanent, not real and true in the way that we think. Kind of the original teaching, right? The Four Noble Truths. Suffering has a cause. Because it has a cause, it's not inevitable. It doesn't have to be created. And there's a way to work with that. There's a path. There's practice. So all of this so that we can help to loosen our grasp. It can help us to loosen our grasp. It is the grasping that hurts, that is suffering. To study the way is to study the self. So this is what we're doing. Seeing, letting go when we can let go. Staying with our experience. And what happens when we let go, when we really let go? To study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. And so hearing and reflecting, bringing the teachings into our body-mind, bringing them with us to the cushion, And then just doing our practice as fully as we can, giving ourselves as fully as we can, letting go of everything else. What is it to forget the self, to let go of the self? What are we letting go of? What's there? Who are we when we let go? Mizumi Roshi says, Find out the sphere of oneness. Find out that there is no division between ourselves and externals. To actually see this is wisdom. As I've been working with these eight awarenesses and Maizumi Roshi's teachings on them, and spending some time with them, going back to them kind of over and over again, I've been appreciating 
hearing a couple of things. One is his 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 sort of continual teaching of of a reminder of our original nature of Buddha nature. In all of these awarenesses, that's what he comes down to in his in his teaching. That each of these eight awarenesses is cultivating, is awakening, is living the wisdom that you already are, have always been. And it is practicing in accord with our true nature so that we can realize our true nature, live out of our true nature. And I was thinking about how important it is that our teachers talk about realization, talk about Buddha nature. Even if we don't understand. So like this teaching about hearing and reflecting, you know, I was thinking about all the times that I sat here listening to a talk by Dada Roshi or Shugen Roshi and just feeling like I didn't understand a thing they were saying. How could I reflect on that? But sometimes just sitting and feeling like I didn't understand a thing they were saying, but sitting there crying, hearing something somewhere. So important that we do hear so that we can reflect as we're able, and so that we can practice and realize for ourselves. And the other thing that I, kind of through line that I've been feeling from Mizumi Roshi is, is his emphasis on continuous practice. Continuous study of the self. Practice and realization as a, an unfolding not as a place to arrive. And I think I, I appreciate that because I can see how, how so often hearing the teachings, stories in the sutras where the Buddha gives a teaching and 500 monks and nuns are enlightened, right? The koans where a student asks, asks a question and the teacher responds and the student is enlightened. And so sort of the idea, the imagining that I've created, others create, of like, well, what is that? What's happening? As Shugen Roshi sometimes points out, but what happened before that moment? How many years of practice and struggle and development? And... What happened after that moment? How many years of practice, cultivating, clarifying, continued study? And so I've been appreciating these teachings from Izumi Roshi, who was Daida Roshi's teacher, primary teacher, and so, a couple generations back, I didn't really, I didn't know Mizumi Roshi. 
like sort of met him once in the dining hall. I know a lot of you didn't know Dada Roshi. But appreciating that this is the teaching, the practice, the wisdom practices that have been passed down to us. So I'll end with some words from Maizumi Roshi. Like the Buddha, we must have patience and diligence in following the way. In fact, such patient practice itself is nothing but the cultivation of wisdom. When the time comes, the flower of enlightenment will bloom. And yet that is not the end. Our practice continues forever. It's all medicine. Let's continue to take that medicine and diligently cultivate our wisdom together. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as cushions, incense, liturgical instruments, dharma books, and more, visit monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.